You're up. Didn't know if somebody was telling jokes or something first to get us started. Well, if you're back next week, we'll do that. All right, excellent. I hope I'm not. I hope I hope Daniel's back and things are going better for them. Um, so, maybe we'll just continue what we started last week, right? Um, last, maybe I should introduce myself. Some of you guys weren't here last week. Um, my name's Dan Seidelman. I'm a pastor up in Commerce Township um, at Union Lake Baptist Church. You're another pastor, Dan. Another pastor, Dan. Try to make it easy for you. I think that's why I got the phone call. It had nothing to do with <laughs> skill or relationship or anything like that. It was like, let's just try and make this easy for people to know your name instead of hey, you. Um, which, I mean, it's an unfair advantage for you all because I'm like, I got, I got nothing. There's a couple Roberts. I know that much. And like, that's about where, where my skills end of trying to get names right. Um, yeah. What's up? Was it? That's beside the point. Um, so last, last week we were in First John, um, and we were talking about forgiveness, that when we sin, it doesn't do us any good to ignore our sin or to deny our sin. Actually, if we do that, it does significant harm to us. It shows that we're not actually a Christian. We're not walking in the truth. We're not living in the light. <clears throat> but we saw that if we confess our sin and we bring it to the Lord in repentance, then we can have absolute confident assurance that because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, God will forgive us and we'll have fellowship with God and that we'll also have fellowship with one another. Um, and that's kind of the theological basis, the biblical principle of forgiveness that I wanted to see. Um, we're going to kind of go on a different end. If we're going really kind of doctrinal theological last week. I want to go really super practical in Sunday school this week. Um, I want to answer this question of, okay, let's say somebody acknowledges their sin against you and says, well, you forgive me. And you say, yes, I forgive you. What does that actually mean to forgive someone? Um, that, that's basically what I want to cover this morning is what does it mean to forgive somebody in a biblical true sense. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll go three things that forgiveness is, two things that forgiveness is not, and then if we have time, which I'm guessing we won't, um, but if we do, I'll close with what happens if we're unwilling to forgive. Um, but I'm guessing we'll just cover three things forgiveness is, two things forgiveness is not this morning. Um, so let me... Uh, Pray. Actually, before we pray, let me give you just a footnote up front. Uh, I don't think I have any original thoughts when it comes to forgiveness, maybe in general, right? Um, so instead of saying, you know, so-and-so says this, so-and-so says this, so-and-so says this, let me just give my footnotes up front. Uh, most of this came from either Heath Lambert. Uh, he has a book called um, A Theology of Biblical Counseling. He was one of my professors in seminary. If you're familiar with... Um, it used to be called NAIC, the National Association of Neuthetic Counselors. Now it's the Association of Biblical Counselors, of Certified Biblical Counselors, ACBC. Uh, he was their executive director for about a decade, I don't know, a few years back. <coughs> um, and then also a different professor I had in seminary, he's Stuart Scott. He's now a professor at the Master Seminary out with uh, John MacArthur in California. Um, so those are my footnotes, lots of help from them. But uh, let me pray and then we'll get into
talking about what forgiveness actually is. Heavenly Father, you are kind and gracious to us. You have forgiven us through the blood of Jesus Christ, and you are the, the originator and the perfect forgiver. And so we pray that you would help us this morning to be like you, that as your children we would resemble you, and that we would be those who forgive, and not just in word, but in spirit and in truth and in deed, that we would be people who forgive. So help us, we pray. Help us to understand what your word teaches. Help us to apply it to our lives. I pray that you would help me to be clear in my teaching and that you would um, just soften our hearts to receive your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So what forgiveness is. And when I say forgiveness, I'm not primarily talking about forgiveness between God and man. Um, I'm thinking of forgiveness between two different people, right? This re relational transaction. I mean, the way we forgive others is definitely a shadow of the way God forgives us. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. But there's always going to be some differences. I'm primarily thinking of, you know, you sin against your wife, you ask her for forgiveness, and, you know, what does it mean for her to forgive you? So, so I think the first thing we want to say is, or sin against your fiancé, or whatever the case may be, um, that forgiveness is a giving up of your rights of retaliation. A giving up of your rights of retaliation. Um, I mean, whenever somebody sins against me, my default reaction is, well, if you're going to sin against me, I'm going to return in kind, and I'm going to sin against you in return, right? But when we forgive, we can no longer act out in justice and vengeance against the person who wronged us, right? So let me say it this way. Justice drives the world, right? We live in a world that has this principle of justice kind of baked into creation. And in forgiveness, we're withholding justice to offer mercy instead. You're saying, you don't have to bear the weight of your sin. I'm going to absorb it myself. Um, so let me give a couple of illustrations because of the stairs that I'm getting right now. So let's say I borrow my neighbor's lawnmower, right? I walk over, I'm like, hey, Kenny, I have, a, I have like an electric lawnmower. My yard's not that big, but it's rained for the past 40 days straight. Is that where we're at now? My, I need to like rent a goat or something. My yard is this tall. My, my electric lawnmower is not going to cut it. So I borrow my neighbor, Kenny. I'm like, hey, can I borrow your lawnmower? And so I'm mowing my lawn, and I hit this tree stump in my yard that wasn't properly done before we bought the house. And I break his lawnmower blade in half, right? Whoa. And I, uh, I take back the lawnmower to Kenny. I'm like, hey, uh, by the way, I, I broke your blade. Here's your mower. Thanks for letting me borrow it. Now, now Kenny has a few options here. He says, well, you broke my blade. Justice says you replace my blade. So I go to Ace Hardware. I spend... I don't know, 30, I have no idea what a lawnmower blade costs, 30 bucks, buy him a new blade, and I give it to him. That's justice, right? I broke it, I fix it. Or, if Kenny wants to, he can be merciful and say, Dan, I forgive you. 
you don't, don't worry about the blade. I'm going to take care of it. That forgiveness of me doesn't fix the lawnmower blade, does it? The blade's still broken. It's just Kenny's out 30 bucks instead of me. He's saying, I'm going to absorb the debt. I'm not going to pursue justice. Rather, I'm going to give you mercy. Every sin has to have recompense. It has to be paid for. So is it, is, am I going to pay for it out of justice? Or is Kenny going to pay for it out of mercy? Right? It's, it's a question of, okay, who's going to pay the debt? And forgiveness is a giving up of your rights to demand justice for that sin against you. Or we can talk about moral debt. I think this is going to get us closer to where we need to be. Um, so if you would flip over to Romans 3.25. Um, Romans 3.25. So in, in Romans 3, Paul raises this question, this objection to salvation almost, that says, okay, if God forgives sin, how can God be just in this? That's a question that nobody ever asks anymore. How can God be righteous and forgive sin? If sin requires judgment, recompense, justice, and God just says, don't worry about it, it's no big deal, how can God be just? Because he's saying, yeah, sin away, but nobody's ever going to be judged for it. I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. David, yeah, not a big deal what you did with Bathsheba. I'm just going to take care of it. And then we're just in this cosmic, like, moral red, right? There's recompense that needs to be paid. There's justice that needs to happen. But there's nothing happening to pay for the sins of Moses and David and... Abraham and Ruth and whoever it is, all these Old Testament saints, how can God be just to say, I'm putting away your sin, but I'm never receiving justice for them? And so Romans says, no, God is just. And in verse 35, I'm sorry, 25, 325, um, let me start in 323. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation or a sacrifice, the, the payment for sin, by his blood, um, where am I? Who, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to re, be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he passed over former sins. Putting Jesus forward was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. Right? God forgave sins without ever getting justice, but when he put forth Christ, it not only gave us a reason for sins to be forgiven, it justified God. It showed that God was truly just because he can no longer be accused of not caring about sin. Oh, David killed a guy? He, he stole another man's wife? Eh, no big deal. He's, he's a guy that I love. 
No, it says, David's sin matters enough for me to put forward my own son to die to pay justice. Not until Christ died were Abraham and Moses and David, their sins paid for. But the cross showed God's righteousness, saying, it's not that I'm just letting this justice hang out there, kind of unpaid for in the world. Rather, I am going to pay for it myself so that I can offer mercy to them. Instead of making them pay for their sins, I'm going to pay for it myself. God bears the weight of justice by pouring out his wrath on his son. And so when we say, I forgive you to someone, we're saying, I'm going to bear the weight of justice instead of putting it on you. We're not going to pursue retaliation. Rather, I release you from this debt, this moral debt that you owe to me, and I'm going to pay it myself just as God released me from the debt I owe to him and paid it himself by sending his only son. You know, whatever the debt is, material, relational, moral, whatever. Okay, so, so first thing, forgiveness is a giving up of our rights of retaliation. The second thing is that forgiveness is a promise. It's a promise not to bring up the sin again to ourselves, to the other people, to others, um, I mean, when, when God prophesies, well, when Jeremiah prophesies the new covenant, um, he says this. This is Jeremiah 31, 34. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. And then he says, For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. When God says, I will remember their sin no more, what's he saying? Is God, you know, this amnesiac, right? God just can't remember things. God's like me walking into Kroger. I can have this full list when I'm driving in the car. I'm repeating, you know, milk, eggs, bananas, Oreos, whatever it might be. I walk in the door, and I don't know if it's a security system or what, but zoop, mine goes blank. I'm like, I have no idea why I'm here. And I come home with, like, golden grams and ice cream. Um, and my wife sends me back to Kroger again. Um, that, that's not what we're saying. God doesn't have this sort of divine amnesia. Like, God is all-knowing except for your sins. That, that's not what he's saying. It's saying God makes a promise to his people that he will not bring up their sins. It, it's a relational promise that our sins don't affect our relationship with God. That's one of the achievements of Jesus Christ. It's a promise that I'm going to think of you and your sin as completely different entities, right? Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So when we're saying, I forgive you, we're reflecting that promise of God and saying, I promise I'm not going to bring up your sin again. We act in love and act as if this sin never actually happened. So maybe we want to put three subpoints here. We make a promise to ourselves that we're not going to meditate on their sin and grow bitter, right? Um, what, what about Judgment Day? So for Judgment Day, this is a promise for those who are in Christ that God forgives. Um, so there's not going to be judgment for them. It, it's going to be the rewards of Jesus Christ that believers get. For unbelievers who are not forgiven, their sins are still theirs to pay for, and there will be judgment. That's the judgment. Yep. That's, that's the judgment. But in Jeremiah, we're prophesying about what God's going to do through Christ for those who place their faith in him. 
Um, yeah, good, good question there. Um, so we promise we're not going to bring up sin to ourselves, right? To meditate on this other person's sin and grow better. I mean, maybe I'm just a terrible person, but it's easy for me to think about all the ways people have wronged me through the day. I, I, you know, you lay in bed and you think, man, I'm an incredible husband and my wife does not measure up to how incredibly great and kind and merciful I am, right? And instead of, you know, laying there counting sheep, I'm just going to lay here and count all the ways my wife has wronged me and how I've been a great husband to her. And you grow you don't bitter. Do I don't do that when you're married to a Filipino. <laughs> Hopefully I don't do that. Anyways. <laughs> Um, but we don't want to bring up this sin to ourselves constantly and meditate it and grow bitter on someone. If we're saying, I forgive you, we're putting that sin away as far as the east is from the west. I don't think about this anymore. I think of you apart from your sin against me. Uh, we make this promise not to bring it up to them, right? To hold it against them and retaliate. You know, we, we forget their sin until we're in this, you know, argument two weeks later. And we need just a couple more bullets in the gun. We need a little bit more ammunition. So we forgive until we need to make the argument. Well, remember last week when you yelled and screamed at me about this? You always act this way. And we say, it's forgiven. It's off limits. But I'm still going to drag it up and argue against you with your sin. No, if it's forgiven, you've promised, I'm not going to bring that sin up against you anymore. This is gone. This is off the table to use against you. You've made a promise not to bring it up. God doesn't bring up our sins to us to try and judge us. No, he, he constantly puts them away from us, paying for them in Christ. And third is the promise to not bring it up to others, to, to gossip and slander. Hey, can you believe what so-and-so did to me? Um, a couple of weeks back, um, you know, I was pulling into the, the Chinese place right by our house. It's next to the subway in the strip mall. And there's, you know, a car and then two open spaces. And I pull into the first one. And somebody's getting in their car, opening their door, putting their subway in. And I'm like, hey, that's one of my deacons. So I'm like, Bobby! But my windows are closed, so I don't know why. I'll say, honk, honk, honk. And he, like, won't turn around and walk. So I just, honk! And he turns around quickly. And he's like, oh, hey, Dan. Um, but, you know, let's just change the story a little bit. You know, he turns around and he throws up his arms and he starts yelling at me and he throws the subway at my car. I go home. I'm like, Chrissy, my wife, I saw Bobby at, at Subway and he freaked out on me. He threw Subway at my car. He, you know, he was yelling and screaming. Good thing was my windows were up because I, I don't know what words he was saying. You know, I don't, if I'm forgiving Bobby for his sin against me, I don't bring it up to others. I don't go into church Sunday morning and be like, so Bobby's serving communion. This is what Bobby's like on a Sunday morning. You want to know what he's like on a Saturday evening when he hasn't got his subway yet? He's the guy that freaks out when somebody honks at him in the parking lot. No, I, I, if I'm forgiving him, I put away his sin. I'm not going to bring it up to myself. I'm not going to bring it up to him. I'm not going to bring it up to others. We make promises that we won't remember their sin any longer. Um, and number three, forgiveness is an act of love, right? I'm mainly thinking of 1 Peter 4, 8 here. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. 
When we forgive someone, we cover their sin with love, right? We take the hit against ourselves, and we don't drag out the sin. We give up the right. We promise not to do this. And this is an act of profound love for another. This might be a reflection of the greatest act of love, right? John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So when Jesus died to forgive us, that was the greatest act of love. And we reflect that love by forgiving others. <coughs> so there's always a question when you talk about, you know, the process of forgiveness. Of, so do we really need this whole song and dance every time we forgive someone? You know, you come up to me, hey, I sinned against you. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. I promise that I won't bring this up to you or to me or to others. I'm going to give up my rights of retaliation. I mean, can't we just be like, I love covers a multitude of sins. I'm just going to move on with my life. Um, because if I had to have this conversation every time I sinned against people, like, I'm never getting anything done in the, in the day. I'm just always asking for forgiveness all day, every day. And uh, while this is the, uh, the normal proceeding to ask for forgiveness, to receive it, there are times where we just forgive without being asked, right? We make this decision in love. Like, I'm not reconciled with you, but I forgive you. I'm not holding this sin against you. If you come to me and ask for forgiveness, I am happy. I am eager. I am spring-loaded to grant it um, because I've already forgiven you. Proverbs 12, 16 says, The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Right? Sometimes we're, we're the prudent man who just says, You insulted me. I forgive you. I'm moving on. I'm ignoring this out of love. Um, yeah. Would you say that it is a readiness to forgive as opposed to an actual offering of forgiveness without them asking? So, <laughs> You're opening up a giant yes, debate. Um, so thank you for that because well, it, it's you should ask your pastor. Right? <laughs> so I, I, I think largely it's a matter of semantics, right? Of what words we want to put on what thing. Um, it's a question of I'm going to release judgment on you. And like there's not necessarily the restoration that happens yet. Um, but there is, you know, like Proverbs, ignoring the sin against yeah, you. I mean, um, like, it's like uh, oh my goodness, I can't remember. First Corinthians thirteen, you know, mm -hmm. not taking into consideration, yep, not uh, taking uh, the, the, uh, the offense, right? Yep. So it's that willingness to not be offended. It's that willingness, but it's not without somebody. It it just seems entirely unhelpful if somebody doesn't ask for forgiveness and you say, "I forgive you." Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying. Ultimately. Right. I think it's, yeah, it's the willingness, but you forgive um, either when they come and ask for it or maybe through conf confronting the person and showing them their need to ask for forgiveness from you. Um, so, yeah, you can have this disposition of I'm ready to forgive, but not actually have the conversation and the transaction, right? Um, which I think kind of reflects the forgiveness of God, right? right? 
He's ready to forgive anyone who calls upon the name of Christ in repentance, but that forgiveness doesn't actually take place until they call upon the name of the Lord. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord may be saved. I'm tra- so, it's cool. Uh, Crossway in Illinois, they're the publisher of the ESV Bible, and they have a lifetime guarantee on like their upper level, I mean, not upper, like $30 Bibles, and the leather, the pleather, the fake leather on my Bible was falling apart, so I'm like, hey, what's this like? And they're like, here's a new one, and they sent me a new Bible, and now I'm like, I don't know where anything is. It's like, all my notes are gone, all the pages are stuck together, and I'm blaming, you know, Crossway's guarantee for not being able to find this verse, but um, I want to say it's Mark 10, but it's, it's clearly not. Um, Jesus says, if you're at the temple praying and you remember somebody has something against you, forgive them and continue. Where it's like, okay, there's somewhere else, right? And you're here praying. You need to forgive them. And so it makes me think, yeah, forgiveness can happen, but this reconciliation can't happen um, apart from having the conversation. Um, so, so that's what forgiveness is, you know, broadly speaking. It's a giving up your rights of retaliation. Yep. How far back do you have to go on that forgiveness? All the way. All the way? All the way. I mean, yeah. How far back does God's forgiveness go? What sin, when, when's the, you know, the, the statute of limitations end on forgiveness? It's all of them. God forgives them all. So do we. Um, which yeah, makes... Matthew 5.23. Why don't you read that for us real quick? Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember your brother has something against you, leave your offering uh, there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. That's actually not the one I'm thinking of. Because he says, go and be reconciled with him. And then in a different gospel, it's the same teaching. It's just forgive him without ever telling you to go. Where it's... I mean, it's the same teaching account of they just abbreviating it, and you know, so yeah, it's it's questionable. But I think we always want to have this disposition of forgiveness because that's the disposition that God has towards us. All right, so giving up your rights of retaliation, a promise not to bring it up, and an act of love. Uh, let me say two things that forgiveness is not, because I think we often mistake ourselves here as well. Uh, forgiveness is not restoration getting back to normal, right? Restoration is the ideal, but going back to the ideal is not always possible. It should be our goal, but if it can't happen, that's okay, right? So some sins just simply disqualify you from things. If I murdered someone, I hope I could be forgiven for that, but I could never be a pastor. Murder disqualifies you from being a pastor, right? What's that? Yeah, one of the big ten, right? Um, There's other sins where I can be forgiven and still be a pastor, but there's some that are disqualifying. Um, You know, when when somebody applies to work in the kids' ministry at our church, we run a background check. If there's, like, child abuse in a background check, that disqualifies you from working with minors in our church. Um, You know, if if our treasurer... If I read on the news, like, hey, treasurer gets, gets you know, caught embezzling money, he's probably not going to be counting the offering anymore. 
Um, there's some wisdom stuff. Um, if there's abuse happening, it's get out of the home, get out of the situation. We're getting legal authorities involved because there's law breaking. You can forgive all you want, and I hope you do, but there's still not going to be this, you know, one-to-one, -one, hey, life's the exact same as it was before I forgave you. I mean, scars don't heal quickly, bruises remain. There's real trauma that can happen because of sin. And even if forgiveness comes, which it's commanded to, the, the trust needs to be rebuilt. And that, that doesn't happen quickly. Forgiveness doesn't undo consequences, right? A victim's family can forgive a murderer, but he's still going to prison. There's still legal consequences, right? Injuries still have to happen. Yeah, there's, the church has, you know, our domain is in this moral forgiveness, but we, the, the legal authorities have, have jurisdiction here too. Um, so for example, David, after his sin with Bathsheba, um, in 2, Corinthians, 2 Samuel 12, uh, Nathan, the prophet, comes and confronts him. You, you know the story, right? Um, Nathan tells his story about the, the poor man with the little sheep that he loves, and the rich king with all the flocks in the, in the kingdom. And the rich man, the king, has people over for dinner. So he says, take the poor man's sheep, slaughter him, and let's eat that sheep. What should happen? And, and um, you know, David says, you know, he's guilty. And Nathan says, you are the man. You have sinned against the Lord. You could have any woman in the kingdom, but you took Uriah's wife. And, uh, and Nathan says to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. The Lord's forgiven you for this sin. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you out of this adulterous relationship will die. There is a consequence to his sin, even though the Lord forgave David. So reconciliation, getting back to normal is always the goal, but it's not always possible, right? So let's say you have this couple, they get divorced, and they get remarried to other people, and then maybe both of them get saved. All, all four of them get saved. And they realize, man, what we did back then was wrong. We don't now divorce our current spouses and try and have the original marriage rebuilt. Like, that, that's not how it works. Even though, you know, maybe that's the ideal, you don't sin in a different way to, to undo a previous sin. Like, sometimes the, the omelet's already made and you can't get the eggs back in the shell. Um, uh, Dr. Scott says, even though we may not be able to fully reconcile with everyone who sins against us, our attitude towards them should never be one of anger, bitterness, resentment, or any kind of ill will. We should also treat them very kindly and graciously, Romans 12, 17. We are commanded to love everyone, so we must desire their best, which means we will do everything we can to bring them to repentance, and we will always be ready to reconcile, as Psalm 86.5 says about God. So, I mean, if you go into like a Cracker Barrel, you're going to see a sign that's like, I'll forgive, but I won't forget, right? Is that, is that biblical? Like, do we forgive and forget? Do we forgive and not forget? Like, what do we do? And it, it depends on what you mean, right? If you're saying, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to forget, I'm going to make this promise not to bring it up like the Lord forgets our sins, that's biblical. 
If we say, I'm going to forgive and deny this never happened and not act wisely as a result, that's not biblical. Sometimes re re reconciliation might not happen. It's always our goal. But we need to realize, living in a sinful, fallen world, the goal isn't always possible. And the second thing I want to make sure we don't do is uh, that we don't deny, or yeah, we don't deny sin and say, hey, will you forgive me? Yeah, it's no big deal. I forgive you. Um, I mean, right, there's, there's, they call it Midwestern nice, right? Where Midwesterners, we don't like offending people. We don't like getting up in people's faces. Um, it's, you know, we have people over to your house and you're like, hey, do you want a snack? Do you need anything to drink? It's Michigan. You want Verner's? You want like a Scotcheroo? Is that what the Rice Krispie Treats with the peanut butter is that like my grandma makes? Oh, those are excellent. Do you need a snack? You want dinner? Do you want me to like thaw a steak or something? We can throw it on the grill. Like we always want to be nice to people. Um, hey, that's a nice shirt, Dan. Thanks. I got it on clearance. It's four fifty at Kohl's. Like we, we want to deflect and be nice. So we'll say, hey, I'm sorry. I sinned against you. Will you forgive me? Oh, yeah. It's no, no big deal. Don't worry about it. That's not a biblical thing to say, right? Sin is a big deal. If we believe the gospel, if we believe the Bible, we say sin is a big enough deal that our Lord had to be crucified to pay for sin. So, so when somebody asks for forgiveness, don't say, you know what, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Say, I forgive you. And this is costly to me. And this is costly to your Savior. But out of love, Jesus loves you so much that he died for your sin to forgive you, and I will too. I mean, I, I purposely chose really minor examples throughout this because I don't think most of us live our lives, you know, having to deal with forgiveness for child abduction or, or kind of these big deal things like that. Most of our sins are, you know, the little inconveniences that happen between brothers and sisters and coworkers and friends and spouses. Um, that's where our lives are, you know, marriage disputes, getting yelled at and honked at in a parking lot, things like that. Um, but even in those things, forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness should be hard, right? If forgiveness is easy, I think that tells us that, that we don't quite understand the weight of sin and the weight of forgiveness. If we say it's not a big deal and it's easy to forgive someone, that's not saying, look how spiritually mature I am. It's easy for me to forgive. I think that's saying you don't take sin as seriously as God takes sin. And you're not, you know, you're not realizing how big of a deal it actually is. But if forgiveness is difficult for you, that means you're on the right track. It's not easy for God to send his only son to die. But if we feel the weight of sin and forgiveness, then, then maybe we're lining up with what God knows of forgiveness. So forgiveness is not reconciliation, though that's the goal. And, sin is, and forgiveness is not denying the sin against me. All right, so let me just um, read one passage here. I said we're going to end with what happens if you don't forgive. I'll just read a passage, and then you can figure out what happens if you don't forgive, right? Um, I'm reading Matthew 18, 21 through 35. You can follow along there if you want to. Matthew 18, 21 through 35.
this is a, a parable that Jesus tells. He goes, Peter came up to Jesus and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? It seems like a lot. Seven? And, and Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. And then he tell, tells this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. Uh, that's about $7.2 trillion in today's economy. Um, so he owes $7.2 trillion, 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all he had and payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That would be about $12,000. Not insignificant by any means, but not $7.2 So he found the servant owes him $12,000, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his $7.2 trillion debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. All right. Do we have any thoughts, questions to end with? Yeah. So, like you said, forgiveness ultimately should be hard mm -hmm. and is hard. And would you agree that, especially something like this, mm -hmm. we have to ask God for help Absolutely. Forgive, and to forgive properly because of this warning. Because if we say we forgive, mm -hmm. but we don't. Yeah, it's showing I'm not, you know, the forgiven. I'm the condemned, right? That we ask for God's help. We, we recognize, you know, forgiveness is based in the gospel. That's why I wanted to get last week. We recognize the great, infinite, unpayable debt that we owe to God and we've been forgiven. And then we, you know, significant debt against us. I mean, this is the 12000 Like, I want my $12,000, right? But when we have significant debts against others, it doesn't compare anything to what we've been forgiven by God. And so it's hard. It's difficult. We ask for God's help. We ask for his grace and his mercy. We, we plead for the strength to obey. And God gives us. It's not easy. It's not like God makes forgiveness easy, but he gives us the grace so that we may obey him. I mean, just like everything else, all obedience is hard. There's very few easy things to obey. But the Lord is always kind and merciful and always gives grace to us so that we may obey him. Is that, did I answer your question? Did I, I have a habit of, like, I have a question. Cool, I'll talk for a few minutes, and I don't know if I answered it or I not. Can yep. And again, um, 
I think as you grow spiritually, as your Christian walk mm -hmm. grows, that this should become easier over time. As you engage for Yes. Yes, it is. I think, you know, that muscle, as that muscle gets worked, right, it's, okay, forgiveness comes more naturally to me, I guess, because I'm used to forgiving more and more. But also, like, the debt is, it's still, to use this example, right, it's still hard to absorb a $12,000 debt, right? It doesn't make that any easier. It's still hard to, you know, say, you sinned against me, but I'm willing to take all of that to repair this relationship with you again. Um, where the weightiness is still there, the difficulty is there. But, I mean, if I went out running today, I would potentially make it to my car before, <sighs> if I had to go up the stairs, it definitely wouldn't be to my car. And, you know, eventually if I kept running, I could maybe get to that garage across the street before I'm exhausted. It's still difficult, but I can do it more naturally, right? Um, so I think that's kind of the distinction we're wanting to look for. It's always difficult, but it gets an easier difficult. <laughs> that makes sense? Yep. Well, and like you said, if we, in trying to be nice, mm -hmm. minimize the sin, right? We, we do a disservice mm -hmm. to Christ, and I think potentially we miss out an opportunity to be a witness. I, I would absolutely agree. I mean, it's almost the flip side of what I said last week, of uh, denying my sin and just pretending everything's okay. It's denying the other person's sin and, and pretending everything's okay, which First John 1, I think that'd be like 7 and 8 would be, you deny the truth. The truth's not in you. You're not walking in the light if you're denying the reality of sin. So we don't want to deny our own sin or other people's, um, but we want to approach it with mercy and forgiveness. All right. Looks like it's quarter, a little after quarter two and no other questions. So we'll, we'll stop there. And um, yeah, let me, let me pray one more time for us. Lord, this is a important but a difficult topic because <clears throat> there's so many different situations. Um, each of us has countless areas where we need to forgive others, where we we don't want to forgive in a lot of in a lot of situations. We just want to harbor this bitterness and this hurt where we get to to play the victim and and you know try and receive mercy for that. Um, but you call us to forgive because, because you have forgiven us. So I pray that um, the gospel that we believe wouldn't just be this abstract, what, doctrinal truth um, that doesn't really affect our lives, but rather it would be the template for the way that we live, that we would be so conformed to the image of Christ that we are ready to forgive others at, at difficult cost to ourselves uh, because we know that we have been forgiven at the cost of Jesus Christ's very life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see Christ, that we would worship him, that the fact that he died and rose again for us would actually matter and affect the way that we live. Lord, I pray this in his name. Amen.